From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is the latest episode of Haunt Topic Radio. Haunt Topic Radio is one of our partner stations, so we rebroadcast their shows here. If you've already listened to this one, feel free to skip it. We'll be back with plenty of original shows in your feed later this week. Of course, to stay on top of everything going on in the haunt industry, sign up for our free weekly newsletter at the link in our show notes. All right, here's the show. Welcome to Haunt Topic Radio. The podcast for haunters by haunters. These are our scary visions. Welcome back to another episode of Haunt Topic Radio. I don't know where you're at, but it's cold here in Missouri. Nah, I think it might be a high of 30s a day, but it's been down in the teens and... Of course, I'm a mailman by trade, so I walk all day long. It's cold here. We hope you're staying warm. We hope you're staying scary. In this podcast, we get Scott Swenson on. We've had Scott Swenson on in the past. Scott is from Scott Swenson Creative Development. You can find him at scottswenson.com. This was taken from our master class. We were talking about monsters and mindset. Now, this originally inspired me from Scott's podcast, The Scott in the Dark. He was talking about mindset, things to be looking at, things to focus on for the next year, maybe as the industry as a whole, things have changed. We also get into creative design, using what you got, use how to design in certain spaces. So we get a lot of things about design and creative and mindset. So if you guys are into that, you'll love this podcast. This was one of our classes. From now on, I'm going to start giving you about half the class because we have paying members over Hunter's Toolbox that get these classes each month. So to be fair to them, give you guys a little taste of what's going on over in our Hunter's Toolbox master classes. We're going to start giving you some info, but in order to get the rest of the, the whole episode and the video and to participate live in these classes, you can go to Hunter'sToolbox.com and sign up to be a Hunt Master member there are some valuable nuggets you're going to hear in this podcast me and daryl would like you to come see us at trans world in march trans world is in st louis i think we're going to be booth 1032 i'm not confirmed that's where we were that's where we were at last year so if you guys are going to trans world this year look us up come say hi come say you listen to the podcast we'd be glad to talk to you and maybe you can check out some scarab badges while you're there well, enough rambling. Let's get into this podcast episode with Scott Swenson about mindset and monsters. Well, tonight we got Scott Swenson on from Scott Swenson Creative Development. Um, the man with the plan. I know I've been listening to your podcast, Scott in the Dark, for probably since you released it. Cause I knew that you were having, you were doing it. And I, so I've been following that seeing some of the projects you've been on this year. This last podcast you did was about kind of getting your mindset ready. Um, you know, kind of what things to look at, look forward to next year, kind of planning for the future. And then we had Philip on talking about haunt trends last time and Philip kind of covered, you know, doing, you know, getting your, getting your stuff together now, start buying your products now, getting your, uh, start getting your labor in check, getting people hired. So just want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about mindset tonight. And of course, any other haunt questions that you want to throw out there guys, because Scott is a well full of knowledge. So, um, Scott, introduce yourself and let us know where we can find you and stuff first off so we know where to track you down. Sure. Well, first off, thank you guys so much for having me on. This is uh, this is always fun. It's always fun to chat with you guys. You know, it's uh, we, we it's it's so rare that we actually do it when we're not being recorded. So, right? <laughs> it's, but so it's great to just kind of hang out and, and, you know, shoot the stuff. Anyway, uh, my name is Scott Swenson. I am uh, a a entertainment uh entertainment and communications consultant i guess is my official title uh one of my titles actually is called designated dreamer um but i have uh i've worked on seasonal events pretty much all over all over north america maybe um i've done a couple in canada i've done a couple throughout the united states um but as a consultant what i do is i come in i help people understand you know what 
the potential is of uh, either an overlay for their theme park or an overlay for their um, their museum. There's a lot of nonprofits like zoos and museums are getting into the haunt industry now like crazy. So I've got a couple of those that I'm working with. Um, and uh, and then I help them as long as they well want to keep paying me or as long as they need me. That probably sounds much nicer. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the nice thing is because I've had so many years working in the entertainment industry, I was with Bush Gardens in Tampa for 22 years. Um, I was the director of entertainment there before I started my own company. And uh, in the last seven years since I've been out on my own. Um, I've done attractions all over the place and uh, a whole bunch of Halloween. Like last year, for example, I actually worked on seven different Halloween projects, um, ranging from family friendly to blood, guts and gory from theme park to nonprofit. So um, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place and I have a, a unique perspective because as we were just saying before we uh, actually started the show is that uh, I'm seeing different problems and different challenges in different parts of the country. And um, so I'm not sure that there is a, a magic bullet solution for any of the challenges that you may be facing right now. But I think it's important to ask the right questions in order to find the right answers. And I think that's really the, the solution that, that I can recommend. But if you're interested in what I do, you can go to scottswenson.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-S-W-E-N-S-O-N.com. And uh, if you'd like to know, I do have a monthly newsletter, which by the way, I do not sell any of your information, um, but it comes out once a month, kind of fills you on the projects that I'm working on. And uh, if you do join the newsletter at the website, um, you can also get uh, members only content. Sometimes it's a video, sometimes it's a special podcast that's just for for members of my my newsletter um sometimes it's i give away like i've written several books i will give away signed copies of my book from time to time um so uh, if you if you'd like to do that that's great i also have my own podcast a scott in the dark and i'm co-host of um green tag theme park in 30 with philip hernandez so that's kind of the the who's and what's of who and what i am and that and that podcast we found on how to attraction network mm -hmm. right okay yep so how to attraction network it's 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 all over the place. It's it kind of creeps up everywhere, but probably the best. Everywhere great podcasts are found. Everywhere great podcasts can be found. Um, the nice thing, the nice thing about Haunted Attraction Network is um, not only do they publish the podcast, they also link to the video uh, of my podcast, and they transcribe it. So you can always like if you just want to read it, you can do that too. So and Daryl does the news over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll hear my voice better than yeah. my face so whatever <laughs> so scott one of the things that you were mentioning is with some of these the bigger theme parks you do overlays now what is an overlay versus revamping my haunt and can my haunt do mm. an overlay as well well i think i mean i think so one of the ways that I, I i like to approach each different project based on what the project is you know when i say an overlay for a theme park what i want to do is i want to build upon the assets that they already have so if they are um, if they are a, let's say a zoo, for example, if they're a zoo that has uh, very little indoor space, but a giant field that's being utilized for virtually nothing, then maybe that's where we want to focus if we want to do something scary. If we want to do something family friendly and they have a carousel, let's do a clown section. You know, I mean, it's, that's what I mean by overlay is taking existing assets and finding ways to Halloweenize them. Um, to put them to look at them through a, a Halloween lens or a Halloween filter. I think that independent haunters can definitely do this because I think it's important to be able to look at what you have and how you can reuse it. I mean, when I was working at Hollow Scream in Bush Gardens, I would constantly, when I was trying to come up with new concepts for the following year, go back and walk through our warehouse and go, well, there's some stuff we haven't used in a while. And oh, that piece is really cool. And well, there's, that used to be an animation. Now it's a static prop. Um, so I think that <clears throat> when it comes to approaching how do I revamp or, or reinvigorate my haunt, I think the first thing you should do is look at what assets you have and then figure out what different story you can tell utilizing those same assets. And I'll give you a perfect example back from the Bush Gardens days. We had a significantly reduced amount of money one year and we were asked, okay, required to add an additional uh, haunt <clears throat> that we had not budget, budgeted for. Now, Hollow Scream has anywhere, when I was there, had anywhere from seven to nine haunts each year. Um, and we had to add one that was not budgeted for. So again, where did I go? I went to the warehouse, I saw what we had, and I created a, a 
I, I invested the only money that we really had for that haunt in some um, some laser tag rifles. And I created a zombie hunt experience for guests that took place in a recycling plant. <clears throat> and since it was a recycling plant, we could take all of the junk that we had sitting in our warehouse and put it together in certain um, configurations. So there was a chain link room. There was a corrugated metal room. We had this old tow truck that was rusting and had no motor in it, but it was a great prop. So we were able to bring that out. We actually brought out the, um, we had a series of doors that we used up at the, the front of the park one year, because it was all about the, it was all about the icon and the backstory for the marketing standpoint. And we brought those doors out and just lined the hallway with them. And the basic storyline was that zombies had escaped into this uh, recycling plant. And it was the guest's job to stun them long enough so that we could capture them and bring them back. It became so popular, it lasted, that one lasted three or four years um, because guests just kept saying, no, you can't get rid of it. And it was one of those Hail Mary plays where you basically looked at, we basically went back and looked at what our assets were and decided what story can we tell based on what we have and then what do we need to add to it in order to make it unique. So I think anybody can do that when you're, when you're planning, but you kind of have to look at the individual parts as parts and not look at them the way you've always used them. Mm -hmm. so you you got to go back and go, I got, I got a bunch of, I got a bunch of, uh, got a bunch of blood bags that we used for a hospital scene. Okay. Well, maybe now you want to use them as like a vampire diner. You know, you have to kind of take your concepts and turn them upside down and shake them up. And, and sometimes you'll come up with the most ridiculous, stupid, uh, completely wrong ideas, but they somehow then lead you to something much better. So when it comes to, to adding an overlay or shaking things up for the following year, that's the first place I would start is look at what you got. Um, don't immediately jump onto the, the trade show floor and go, well, I want three of those and two of those, and we'll figure out how to put them together when we get back to the, the, the site. That doesn't do anything for you. Um, figure out what you have, how you can reuse it. Then when you go to the trade show, you can say, oh, and we can reinforce this story that we already have with this and this. That way you don't buy random crap that just sits in your back room or sticks oh, out. Oh, come on. Up. That never happens. No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> Thousands it's, of dollars later. That's why yeah, we exactly. all have stuff sitting in the back room. In the back right? room. Because you thought it was used cool. It, yeah. Used it once. Yeah. No. Um, now, the idea of doing overlays and using what you already have, does that fit into the mindset of doing off-season haunts? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm uh, I'm starting to get more and more enthusiastic about off-season haunts. I wasn't for a long time, but I think that's my the blinders that I had on having worked in theme park for so long. Um, my thought was being in theme park, let's do Halloween at Halloween. And then by the time uh, February rolls around, let's do Valentine's Day. That's completely different. And then let's do spring, which is completely different. Summer, which is completely different. So my, I was always against doing off-season haunting, but I have seen it work so incredibly well. Um, and in fact, I'm working on a project for one of my clients now for an end of summer experience that isn't really haunt per se, but it is creepy. And um, so that I think that can be that can be kind of fun. And again, the reason it came about is because we had some costumes that have been sitting in the back for a while. And uh, I was like, oh, we should reuse these. And sure enough, we sat down and said, oh, and we can pull these and pull that. Um, I think people get under the horrible misunderstanding that it, when, you, when you do a new theme, it doesn't mean that you have to throw out everything and buy everything new. Um, you just have to change the stuff enough so that it seems different to the guest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I love the idea of, you know, in fact, at, uh, at an upcoming show, uh, at, at Transworld, I will actually be teaching a seminar um, this year called Turning the Page from Halloween to Christmas. And uh, I'm really excited about doing that because they're two festivals that I really like to do. And there's so many different approaches. And one of them that I've seen done very successfully is to actually just do a haunt, your standard haunt, and add some really dark, creepy Christmas. Um, you know, we've all seen, I think it was two or three years ago, oh no, three or four years ago now, um, where Krampus was everywhere. And uh, it was Krampus, Krampus, and more Krampus. And, uh, and I think that's a great start, but I don't think that's the only way to go. I think you've got a million other opportunities. And if you think about it, Christmas is a time to tell ghost stories. I mean, mm -hmm. traditionally, you know, uh, Christmas Carol, um, it's all about ghosts. So it, it, it's a much more natural fit than you think. 
Um, I always have, I have, a, I have a title that I've been, I actually went so far as I think I bought the URL. I have it, um, but I, it's called Scared Into Your Arms, that I would love to do at Valentine's Day. I would love to do a, let me terrify you so that you run to your, your significant other's arms and, and cuddle and go through the gather. Um, so yes, it is, you can, you can take your existing stuff and add another story level over it, or you can shake up your existing stuff and see what works for the holiday. So one of, the, one of my uh, things I tell myself is always be thinking ahead, thinking mm. into the future, thinking about, you know, what if I can buy this prop? What can I use it for after this is using this scene? What I can use it for in another scene? You know, I see I see a lot of people regret purchases at Transworld, you know, or other trade shows because I'm like, why did I buy this for? You know, this because it was perfect for that one part of that one room that one year. Yeah, yeah. No, I I hear you. I hear you. And I was never. I'm I'm not at all um, above or below, depending on your point of view. Taking a prop and completely repainting it, or taking it and taking it apart and using bits and pieces of it. Um, I've even gone so far as to take like an animatronic and strip it so that it's just the guts inside and we do something robotic with it. Um, you know, it, I'm not afraid to say, well, I spent a million dollars on this piece. Um, I can't take it apart. So you're going to either not use it. So it's kind of a wasted asset, or you're going to find a way to alter it and turn it into something new that you can actually use. That's just my logic. Some people are like, holy grail. We can't, you know, we've had this prop forever and we can't change it. We can't touch it. So instead, we'll just not use it. That doesn't make I love, sense. I love creating something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. I'll just go look. I got this one big area in the warehouse. And I'll just be putting stuff together and voila. And just make, you know, don't know where it comes from sometimes. You just kind of get in the free, the flow of it. And then yep. there it is. So I guess that's what kind of creativity is about. You know, it's kind of getting your. So when it comes to being creative and getting those concept ideas what are some good techniques? I know each person's different. What kind of things do you do to kind of get your mindset for going into a creative session or a build or a theme or, you know, what do you do to get prepared for that? Do you know what causes haunted attractions to shut down before they even get started? The top three roadblocks are lack of funding, lack of leadership, lack of resources. As a member of the Haunters Toolbox, you get instant access to the tools you need to start and grow your own haunted attraction business. To get started, become a member at HauntersToolbox.com. Well, um, the first question that I, I, or the first thing I look at is, are we starting from scratch or have you done something before? Are you trying to reinvent or are you trying to create from scratch? If you're trying to reinvent, um, and I, anybody who's ever listened to me talk has heard me say this, um, we were just mentioning it again before the show, um, look, at, look at what the guests have responded well to. Um, I always used to say at the end of each year uh, for any haunted attraction or any Christmas attraction or any summer concert series, um, ask the guests, uh, you know, what did they like? What did they not like? And what aren't you doing that they would like to see you do? It's the start, stop, continue method. Um, start doing things that you're not doing that the guests want to see. Stop doing things you are doing that the guests can't stand and continue what the guests like. So, you know, don't get so high and mighty on your high horse where you say, I'm going to create this wonderfully esoteric concept that, it, you know, only three people will understand. That's kind of a waste of time. Um, you can add those elements. Don't misunderstand me. I've written some that were completely out there and very wacky. Um, and sometimes they've worked and sometimes they haven't. But uh, that's where I would start with, start with the groundedness. Start with, you know, start, stop, continue. If you've already done it before. If you haven't, again, go back to your assets. Also, another place that I find a great deal of uh, inspiration is I'll look at, um, I'll look at folklore. I'll look at, um, like, I, I love to take, I love to take, um, stories that have been told uh, forever, you know, whether it's mythology or whatever, and take it and apply it to like a, a contemporary theme. Um, so then you can, that's a jumping off point. And usually what's happened with me is those, those, that folklore ends up getting completely buried by the things we keep layering on top of it. But it gives you a great story structure to start off with. And I'm all about the story. You know, I don't, I don't like to say, let's, let's creatively think about a new haunt. Let's let's do let's do a circus room and let's do a doctor room and let's do a 
gouging out your eyeballs. I want to tell a story and, and I may need to figure out how do I put all those things in there because they're assets we have. But, uh, and I also like to create variety, but I still want it to work together as a guest experience. Because the moment you shift storylines, I think the guest has to take a moment to figure out, wait, what the hell is happening now? Mm-hmm. And you have a much more powerful cumulative effect if you can tell a story that continues to build and gets more and more intense than gives a rest and gets more and more intense than gives a rest then has this big you know moment that everybody's going to talk about and then everybody thinks it's over and then you know the chainsaw into the gift shop um you laugh because you know everybody does it <laughs> it's we, we always call it the mountain scare do yeah, that we, yeah absolutely and it works there's nothing wrong with it it again continue that's the, that's the continue well, that's part. That's what they want. They, if I took the chainsaws away, they would complain about it. That's so right. That's right. Know. Oh, believe me, we tried. We tried at Bush Gardens. I had a boss who said, I want you to come up with what is the next chainsaw. And we tried everything from leaf blowers to, I mean, we, tr- we tried all kinds of things and we couldn't find anything that was even close. So yeah, again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And the way I have my queue line set up is the exit the chains every once in a while the chainsaw guys will chase them out but the exit is right next to the queue so you're anticipating you already know what scares the last scare anyway but you're in the crowd anticipates it because they're seeing you know every five minutes chase them chase a group of teenagers out the door and then they disappear back into the you know into the little shop so and well and what ends up happening is then not only does the chainsaw scare the person it also is entertainment for those watching. Yep. You know, it's, it's like every time, every time I've used a slingshot or a, a, a human bungee apparatus, um, if you do it, I've used them actually on the streets for, for atmosphere and scare zone, um, which for a, uh, an independent haunt might be considered like Q-line entertainment or, or um, creating a, an outdoor thing. And um, I've had people actually kind of just sit around and watch the, the bungee scare get people that are unexpecting it. You know, mm-hmm. not expecting it. I've had the right. same thing happen with camo with camo uh, performers who are in the bushes. They'll actually get they'll actually build an audience of people watching other people get scared. Mm-hmm. We purposely put picnic tables out for parents that want to drop their kids off, and they're just sitting there right at the exit, just watching. You know, watching <laughs> people get scared. This is hilarious. I'm not going inside, but I love watching y'all scare people. Yep. So now earlier you were talking about how you taking a look at some of your props, some of your assets, and and coming up with different ideas. And even if they're kind of bad, that might lead to becoming a good idea. What kind of a mindset should a person have or techniques to help develop their mindset that they can come up with stupid ideas during brainstorming, but have that push forward into something else? What are some techniques that they can use? One of the things that that I will use if I'm facilitating a brainstorming, because I do that, I've done that as well, where I'll, I'm not even the expert on the topic. Um, but I'll help facilitate other people who really know what they're doing um, when it comes to brainstorming. And one of the things I like to do is ask ridiculous questions. Um, one of the things I will say is, for example, um, what would you do in this particular, in the, let's say you're trying to brainstorm something to do for a new, a new, let's say a new theme, let's say a new overarching story theme. Uh, a ridiculous question might be, what theme would you use if um, you didn't have to worry about offending people? Or another ridiculous question is, what theme would you use if you didn't have to worry about budget? Or another ridiculous question is, what theme would you use if you were blind? And these kind of ridiculous questions, which don't exist really in the real world, shake us up enough so that we stop getting locked into, I'm going to do a vampire, I'm going to do a zombie, I'm going to do classic monster, I'm going to do pirate, you know, those things that have been done over and over again. Uh, and the reason I, I love this this approach is that's actually how I wrote the um, the venue flow to my very first, the very first haunt that I was 100% responsible for from a creative standpoint at Bush. And my boss said, what would you do if you didn't have any rules? And because in the theme park world, especially early on, we had a lot of guardrails and they were really concerned that it was going to spill over into the day brand and, you know, how far, how far is too far. Um, and being, you know, an hour from Universal Studios here in Tampa, we knew that they were the bad boys and we couldn't get away with half the stuff that they did. So, um, but once my boss said, what would you do if you, if we took off all the rules, that was when I created um, the, the mythical land of Club Muse. 
uh, which was a haunt called After Hours that we did it at Hollow Scream many, many years ago. And the whole idea was it was a goth club where the guests were being kidnapped and killed and their body parts were harvested to create artwork. Now, it sounds like one of those, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. However, when we were able to implement it, and like one of the rooms, for example, we called it the found art room, which was just uh, human skin stretched up uh, on chains with tattoos, like they had tried to save the tattoo. There was a jewelry worker who made things out of teeth and, and bones. Um, there was a painter who painted in nothing but blood. And of course, they were painting, quote unquote, with water in a red lit room. So people thought they were getting splattered with blood when they really weren't. Um, and what ended up happening was it worked on two levels, which I would love to say I planned this, but I didn't. Um, it worked on two levels. There were some goth kids who thought this was just the coolest place they'd ever been and just kept going through the haunt over and over and over again. Um, and there were other people who were afraid of the goth kids who were going through the haunt over and over again. So I actually had more actors than I thought because the people who were afraid of the goth kids who were standing behind them thought they were cast members. Uh, <laughs> so it, it, it worked on so very many levels. And we never would have gotten there had we not been given the permission to think outside the box. And sometimes it's even giving ourselves permission to think outside the box and say, what would you do if there were no rules? I mean, that's a really broad statement. Um, that doesn't always work. But I like to ask those questions of what would you do if you had to include a tractor? Or what would you do if you had, because again, going back to your assets, you can use those things. Um, or what would you do if you had to, uh, if you had a cast, if you only had a cast of six and you wanted eight rooms, what would you do? Because let's face it, with the way staffing is going, we may be there. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, I think asking ridiculous questions is a, is a great jump starter. Um, I also think it's important to take notes even when you're not brainstorming. Um, I've got all kinds of little slips of paper. Now, my recommendation is don't just take them, actually organize them, because I take them, but I don't organize them. Um, little, little ideas, like if you have a nightmare that's really cool, or you see something, like something, even bad movies where you can find good moments, you know, bad horror films, which I think are actually better than good horror films, in my opinion, but a bad horror film with a great, like, moment or segment, jot it down, go, oh, I want to try that someday, or I want to find a way to do this live, or I want to, you know, what would happen if we, I, to this day, I don't know how to do it, but I, I had one guy come up to me and said, we have a retention pond out back. What if we did an entire room that was floating? So as, as you walked into the room, you got the movement of everybody walking on the, on the, on the pontoon. I was like, that is so cool. I've never done it. And I think it's absolutely nuts, but it is so cool. <laughs> Just so the, the unease that a customer would have if you fit that into the right frame of mind and they don't realize that they're walking on water. That's right. That's right. So I, I think it's, I think it's allow yourself to contemplate the impossible and, and target your questions and your, your setups to do that. I think that's a great way to jumpstart to find something new. Yeah. Yeah. I got things written down in notebooks and I have notebooks all over the place. And I was just like, what notebook was that in? No, so it was, you know, was it the black one or the yellow one or the, the red one? I can't remember. So I'll be flipping. That's like when I was trying to figure out the name for the dead factory. I bet I had two sheets of different names, just, you know, fear factory, factor, the dead, dead fat, you know, just village of the damned or village of the dead. So I just had all these different names just to get it out there because I knew if I didn't get it out of my head, it would drive me nuts. Exactly. So, yeah. And that's uh, one of the things that I recommend is you're talking about, you know, if you have a nightmare or something is keep a notebook and a, and a pencil beside the bed. Uh, and if you wake up in the middle of the night, write, write it down, just whatever, write it down because it does two things. First of all, you remember it. And second, you can get back to sleep because you know, you don't have to remember that great idea or that bad or weird idea that you had. So write it down. It's funny because I, I do that. I, I, I always have a way to jot down whatever by my bed. And um, I've found that even as I'm writing it, it starts to fade. You know, don't yeah. think I'm going to remember this tomorrow morning when yeah. I wake up because you won't. Um, so even as I'm writing, it's like, wait, no, 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 don't. I got to write faster because... <laughs> <laughs> starting starting to fade out and then you look at your notes the next morning it's like what the hell was i that? don't understand the damn thing but hey at least i wrote it down and oh yeah there was something yeah but at least you wrote it down and you were able to get back to sleep then the glowing fish with feathers did what <laughs> exactly um now coming up with ideas about you know, with your assets and throwing these ideas forwards, what kind of a mindset does a person need when they look at one of their assets and maybe it needs a little bit of work 
or they see an asset that they really want, but it's not something that they can afford themselves. They're, they're at Transworld. What kind of a mindset can a person have that will help them build that same sort of theme and, and that type of scare without that $10,000 prop, without that one that they have to spend several hundred dollars and several hundred hours in repairing their own asset? What can a person do and how do they get through that well, I mean, with broken assets, <laughs> the, my favorite cheat is if you've got broken assets that at one time were pristine and really cool, and now they're broken and tattered, uh, do a time shift. Imagine that this is, you're looking at something that has been around for a hundred years instead of brand new this year. So shift time forward. Um, it's a great way to say, oh, I don't have to fix it. I just need to throw extra cobwebs on it. You know, uh, so I, I think that allowing yourself to not get locked into, well, this has to take place now. So this looks fresh and pristine. Um, I've done that with, I've done that with uh, vampire concepts in the past on several occasions where we had some things that looked really elegant when they were first built, but now they're, you know, they'd been through several seasons. So they were crap um, and they, they needed a lot of work. So what we did was we kind of made it so that the storyline led it so that the vampires were down and out, but they were holding on to their past glory. Um, so it was a time shift. Um, I think one of the things that I just recently um, told one of my new clients as I said, look, budget isn't about the, the creativity is not about the budget. The budget is about the implementation of the creativity. And if you're creative enough, you can, you can find workarounds. Um, and maybe that workaround is, you know, say for example, you want to have, um, a, you want to have a, a, a scene with a, a, a giant octopus that is, you know, animated and you can't afford a giant animated octopus well then if you can't change instead of changing your time like i was talking about earlier change your perspective make things make your view of it smaller so that maybe you have two or three tentacles that are reaching through the wall they're trying to pull the wall out as opposed to the fully articulated um fully articulated uh, uh octopus if you look back to like 1950s 60s even 70s horror films they didn't have great big budgets. So they would find ways to change how you see things. Um, and sometimes it's suggest that they're there without actually building them. Darkness is quite often our friend. Um, you, can, you can put the idea in someone's mind, and then if they can't see it, they will put it in their, uh, in their own imagination. Um, Use that a lot. Yeah. It, yeah, it's the Hitchcock concept. You know, what you don't see is far scarier than what you do. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I would love to take credit for that. No, that's Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think that's another way to help get around that. Oh my gosh, I can't afford to do that concept. Um, that said, I always think that as much as I am the story guy, you need to have at least one element that is so overwhelming that that's what guests talk about. Um, and it's sometimes you have to say, okay, I'm going to skimp on this room and this room and this room so that here I can have that gigantic something that everybody's going to be buzzing about as they walk out. Um, now, of course, we've all done that and have them buzz about something completely different. And you go, dang, I wasted a lot of money on that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so here's, here's an example. We built uh, for one of the, for one of the haunts at Bush Gardens years and years ago, we built an entire, um, well, we called it a the, the backyard cemetery. And the whole idea was it the, the theme for the whole story was it was a mortuary, but that um, he was throwing bodies into a mass grave in the back as opposed to disposing of them properly. So we built catacombs and we built um, you know, and filled them with bodies and body parts sticking out. And we did the whole nine yards. We even built a an animated worm dropper that would drop worms on guests, rubber worms on guests. We invested in tons and tons of worms. And we thought, this is what everybody's going to be talking about. This is what everybody's going to be talking about. As they came out, what they were talking about was a scene that we had done at the beginning where the room was filled with cockroaches. And we covered the walls with cockroaches. We had the right sound in there. And we sprinkled um, pistachio shells on the ground. And there was crunching underneath their feet. Yeah. So the, you know, the 50 buck pistachio shells that we had to replace every two to three days was significantly more impactful than the, <laughs> the giant scenic with the moving body parts and the worm dropper and the whole nine yards. So sometimes it backfires. But I, I think that you have to have something that the guests recognize as, oh, my gosh, it was worth it just to go through for this very moment. 
I think Scarret badges are one of the smartest things I've seen in the industry in a really long time. Scarret badges are basically either pins or embroidered patches, uh, kind of like merit badges, as they are, you know, somewhat named after, from Boy Scouts and, and Girl Scouts and Brownies, and where after you've accomplished something, you can wear the brag tag of the embroidered patch. Some haunts put them on jackets, some put them on t-shirts, some put them on uh, with the pins. I've seen them put them on lanyards. But the neat thing about them is they are very specific in what they are rewarding. And they're haunt-based images that reflect what's being rewarded. It's retention, it is bringing people back, and it's actually giving your haunters, your haunt performers, the ability to share that they are haunt performers. And, oh really, you're a, you're a scare actor. Where do you do that? And then they will insert the name of your haunt right there. So it's also marketing. I've always been a big fan of Scarret Badges. I think they're great. So check them out, scarretbadges.com. No, it is, that is not a paid advertisement. That is just my recommendation. I think it's really cool. ScottSwinson.com When we did, when we did uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe House one year, um, we had a room that I credit our lighting designer. Um, we did a room based on the Mask of the Red Death, and it was a um, black and white checkerboard room with two mannequins, sorry, four mannequins, um, as though they're dancing in a waltz, and then a giant um, character, which was actually on a platform that had a live actor in it, um, that was masked, you know, the full Mask of the Red Death, big red hat, whole nine yards. And the whole reason it became the, the room that everybody talked about is our lighting designer came up with a um, timed strobe effect that it would flash white red and then go dark for just a second and white red. And it created the illusion that these characters were actually, the mannequin characters on the dance floor were actually moving. Um, oh. And and it, it made me sick as a Stealing dog. Stealing an idea in. one moment. Yeah, here. please do. <laughs> uh, it made me sick as a dog to walk into that room because I don't know how the actor who was in there stayed in there because it was so disorienting but but you have to get that timing exactly right yeah. and um and you got to play with it you know you got to play with it that's another thing that i think is really important to recognize is you know you, you we were talking earlier about how you, you got a part of your warehouse where you just go and try stuff and put it together you got to have that time to tweak and and finesse and don't make that time after you open make it before you open. Um, you're going to have plenty of tweaking and finessing to do once you open. Uh, the guests are going to go, that sucks, or I see that cable, or um, why do you, you know, I get tired of the 15 actors in this one room, but this next room has nobody in it. You know, you're going to make those kinds of adjustments on the fly, but allow yourself enough time to, to experiment and, uh, and tweak ahead of time, which is, again, why it's so important to plan. Um, one of the things that more and more of my clients are saying is let's do a three-year plan. Let's do a five-year plan so that you know what your purchases are going to be and how you're going to utilize them for multiple years. Um, I have one client right now who I'm working on three different seasonal projects for them. And one of the seasonal projects, they're not real sure it's going to stick around. So what they're doing is everything they purchase for that, they make us justify so that we can utilize it in one of their other events, um, which is not a bad approach. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating from a creative standpoint because you go, I can't use a giant XYZ that's, you know, fun and playful in a Halloween. You event. mean there's not a 10 foot tall Easter Frankenstein? What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, there may be, <laughs> depending on what happens. Um, but yeah, so, but again, that's a, I think that's a great, um, a great exercise to go through is how, this is, how I'm going to use it this year. And we, I mean, we all know how long this stuff is going to last, you know, and we know that, and it's not the guests who beat it up. It's the actors. We all know that. Um, it, it, it's, we know that everything has a lifespan. And so if you can, if you can create things that I'm going to use it this way, this year, this way, next year, maybe let it rest and be a background prop for year three, then year four and five, I'll bring it out as an antiquated antique, you know, I, whatever, whatever that may be. But don't just think that that Halloween is or that haunting. And you guys know this. We all know this. Haunting is not something that you just think about in October. Um, you know, I one of my favorite quotes actually came from the corporate director of design and engineering at SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment. And he said, you know, we need to think of of Hallow Scream or any how any seasonal event the same way we think of every other attraction. It's just open it's only open 18 days out of the year so that way you don't have that what i call jumping on a moving train mentality where you, all of a sudden you go oh it's it's now for us it's july or august oh let's start haunt stuff no back it up 
get get as much planning done as you can because that will give you the time you need. And nobody likes to plan. They like to dive in. But we've all heard the phrase measure twice, cut once. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Especially I say. Especially when building props or building yes. scenes. <laughs> yes, yes. Or yeah. amputating bodies. But that's, that's a whole. <laughs> yeah. You won't go there. Yeah, we, we won't mention that. To the I audience. won't go there again. Not since the restraining <laughs> order. No. Yeah, we um, usually start. We usually start brainstorming after Trans World. After Trans World is like March, mm-hmm. and then we get our we meet and afterwards and start brainstorming and stuff. So, and then of course, most haunter haunt owners work full time. I know a lot of us. There's a few lucky ones that do this all year long, which would be nice. But so what I do is I go into my days off. Like I work at the post office, so I have a floating day off, usually during the middle of the week. So I'll, I'll do go there by myself, and then I'll have my crew on the weekend come out, and we'll do, because then it gives me, I like having help, but it's hard when you have people there, and you're not in your own bubble. So I'll go out there just by myself, and just think about, I'll go through the haunt a few times, you know, kind of get a what I want to do this year, like especially the first few, couple weeks, just kind of get my, my mindset set and then then we'll go through each room and we'll put a post a note this is what we want to do in here then we'll go to the next room this is what we want to do in here and then i'll try to have all the supplies and the tools and everything there so when i do have help that comes in yes i need uh i need all this um all these sheets and this hung up in this room i need new lighting sound speakers stuff that you know we have different levels of abilities so it's like okay you guys need all these cobwebs strung out so trying to break it it's taking me a while to figure out how to delegate and release some of that control but of course i do go back and check it out and i might tweak some things i'm like yeah awesome job we'll just we'll just do this and that but so um oh jane was asking something about us forced perspective i was talking about the the tentacles yeah the tentacles yeah what i was suggesting with the tentacles is instead of having an open space that has a big animated octopus have a walled in space say like the side of a ship and the tentacles are coming through holes in there so so you don't have to see the whole thing but you suggest that there's a complete creature behind the wall or in the darkness it's not necessarily forced perspective although um mask of the red death they did use force perspective in painting the the black and white um, uh, checkerboard tiles, which went up the walls, and it kind of warped the the perspective there. So hopefully that, that answers trippy. the question. With the the red light and the white light. Yeah. Then... Oh, it was it was a mess. I mean, in all the right ways. Yeah. <laughs> right. We had a strobe. Uh, we had a strobe fence one year or a couple years with the chain link fence, and then throwing about three different strobes in there. That'll that'll mess you up, and that's kind of an easy setup too. <laughs> Um, now, as um, we've seen over the past couple of years, Scott, um, sometimes disaster strikes, whether it's uh, you you have restrictions for the amount of people that can come in or you can't open it all. Uh, and as we well, were talking about, happen. yeah, as we were talking about before we started recording, sometimes a mice, uh, you know, chew through uh, wire and something doesn't mm-hmm. work. Um, what kind of a mindset do you need to overcome when disaster strikes. So uh, when when a disaster did strike, and I had a lot more free time on my hands um, the last couple of years, I I uh, took a course, an online course from University of South Florida um, called Post Crisis Leadership, and it was all about how to prepare for any sort of crisis, whether it was a pandemic or weather related, or um, you know, pick something. Um, and one of the things that I learned from that course that I think is really smart and I wish I'd discovered it sooner is to always have a parallel path. Um, this comes in especially true when you're trying to order things from outside the country, because let's face it, shipping has still not gotten back to where it should be. Um, when you're trying to drop ship stuff. In fact, some of it is probably sitting on a ship in the waters off of Los Angeles right now, trying to get into the United States. Um, but have, have parallel paths. And by that, I mean, you know, like, for example, we were talking about the chewing through the light thing. Um, one of the things I always suggested, and we actually ended up doing it at um, Undead in the Water here in Tampa, when they decided to, to completely change up their concept, but didn't have enough money to invest in, in redoing all of their lighting. Instead, we gave all of the guests handheld blacklight flashlights and did the entire haunt in black in invisible blacklight so that they could open as a museum during the day and not see anything and then the guests come in with their blacklight flashlights they were actually lighting the scenes it gave them um mastery and control of the environment but that was our parallel path it was either we buy a lot of blacklights or we use 
um, these handheld ones. I think it, you just have a bunch of a bunch of flashlights at your uh, at your front gate. You know, that's that's going to be significantly cheaper than than refunding all the tickets. And and if for some reason the lights do go out, make it a flashlight tour. It's not ideal, but it's still a haunt. And and I've said it for years. Give me give me three good actors and a candle, and I can scare the crap out of you. So um, in this case, give me three good actors and a flashlight. Uh, but I think the idea is have have parallel plans that i mean obviously you can't afford to to plan to have them all fleshed out and all purchased but the only way the only way and this this is what they hammered into us over and over again the only way to come out of a crisis is to be plan is to plan for it before it happens that's the only way to come out of a crisis unscathed and whether that crisis is a mouse chewing through your power cables or uh uh weather you know a weather shutdown um i had one like situation that never where, happens no never <laughs> Ever. I actually had one here in, in, in Tampa where um, we had to, we had a 5,000 square foot clear span tent that got hit by a microburst and um, the whole haunt, the, the top of the tent when we came in the next morning was like this and we had a week to take the salvageable props from that 5,000 square foot space and reassemble them in a, oh gosh, what was it? 1500 square foot space and rethink, you know, a new pathway. And what do we do with our actors? And what we did is we took our actors, we made it a scare zone for a while for one weekend. Um, and then the following week we reopened the house. And what was interesting was I think it was actually a better haunt in a smaller space because we were able to get rid of all the fluff. We were able to get rid of all the filler because we didn't have room for it. So we just had to focus right in on the, on the storyline. Um, so yeah, there's, but again, we always knew that we had this backup space. We also knew it was too small for a real haunt, but when it's lose the haunt completely or move it into a space that is too small, you move it into a space that's too small and you make it the best you can make it. Um, yeah, plan ahead. Again, have those parallel paths worked out, have multiple um, suppliers. You know, we all have our favorite, we all have our favorite fog supplier. We all have our favorite lighting instrument supplier. We all have our favorite, but have a second favorite so that if for some reason, not that it would ever happen, but if for some reason they couldn't get those products from whatever country they're coming from, um, be prepped because the guests don't care that it didn't show up on your doorstep. Um, they still want something really cool. But at the same point, they maybe didn't know that that room was supposed to be full of fog and have lasers in it. True, true. <laughs> but but say for example, say for example, you've created a say for example, you've created a room that has a laser swamp in it, and you put in squishy floor floor mats. That's actually um, really just uh, the foam mats that go under chairs in offices. What you don't want to have happen is guests walking and going, "What are all these office mats doing on the ground in this swamp?" Mm. So again, even then. You have to have some sort of backup plan. Is there something you can roll out over that so that it be, you know, just get a big, big ass roll of green fabric and roll it over those things so that they can't see it because they wouldn't have seen it if the, if the laser swamp was actually working. So there's that, that, that mindset. I agree with you though. I'm, I am notorious for walking through an event saying I'm only seeing what's not here mm. because I like events that I've worked on. It's like, I'm only seeing what we didn't get to do. Yeah. I'm not seeing what we did, and that's just not fair because the guests aren't like that. So I agree with you. I agree with you. But even in situations where you know they they may not know, even if it's for your own sanity, have 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 a plan B and C and D. <laughs> and you know, I've heard this expression before, like uh, restraints on time and money breeds creativity. So when you have time restraints and you have you're on a but a re, you know a restricted budget, then you're forced to focus like a laser beam and then you're like okay this is what we're gonna do i do that a lot oh i think <laughs> oh, no. i think some of my best work some of my best work has happened when i'm um under the gun uh, even when i write i have a tendency to write in my head a lot and then not really put it on paper until until last minute which is frustrating because i do then like to go back and fix <laughs> i like to go back and fix so that's something mm -hmm. i have to change in my mindset but you're right guardrails quite often help you um be more creative. You know, all too often, I think people have the misunderstanding that it's like, I don't want any restrictions because I want to be able to be creative and be open and be free. Well, that's sort of like saying to a kid, hey, go out there in that field and pretend there's a jungle gym. You know, if you don't have the jungle gym, the kid ain't going to have much fun. So you got to build the jungle gym first. What's your framework? What are your restrictions? What are, and whether that's financial, whether that's physical, you know, I, I want to build a, a, a scene that looks like we're standing on the moon. Unfortunately, I'm in a 
10 by 12 room. No, well, then don't do that scene. That doesn't make any sense. But, but so if you know that you have the 10 by 12 room, then perhaps you build a scene where you are inside a space capsule on looking the out at the moon out yeah. of a porthole. Yeah. Yeah. And you put, you know, you put those great video monitors in those portholes and you put in video content and you can create a very claustrophobic scene that still puts you on the moon. I like it. So imposing some of those artificial restraints, like I'm in a 10 by 12 room, or I have $150 budget for this room. Does that then help create some of the creativity? And then when you do actually have $1,000 to create this room, it gets better? I could give you a really complex answer to that, but the simple one is yes. If you're <laughs> used to working under restraints, and then you have fewer restraints. You, what, what'll happen? At least what's happened with me is I will keep adding. I will keep. It's like, oh, and I can do this too. Cool. Let's let's great. Let's do that. Or I'll have somebody come up to me. This is I, I really, honest to God, had this happen. Somebody came up and said, "Well, Scott, you've only spent about fifty percent of the the budget for this room. What else can we add that's really going to be cool? Let me find out." <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling my buddies at Gorgalore. I don't know. Let's find something cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, it, we got to find something that's that's going to make it amazing. Um, and uh, but what's what's interesting to me is when when I first started learning about because like, I kind of did this backwards. You know, most most haunters <coughs> will start doing independent or smaller haunts and then eventually maybe go into a, a theme park or a, a multi haunt experience, mm -hmm. a screen park, whatever. I did it very backwards. You know, I started my haunt career designing multi-level haunts for a theme park. But where we started our research was with Home Haunter because we knew that we were, when it came to theme park, we didn't have the big theme park budgets that Universal or Disney had. Um, so we started with what can we make out of nothing? Um, how can we, you know, should we start saving chicken bones because they make great props? Uh, whatever that was, you know, and um, so that has been one of the most beneficial things is to work with incredible restrictions so that when it, when the, when it, when those restrictions are lifted or they don't, they no longer exist, you can go, okay, well, let's, let's take this concept and build it even further. But that's what also led me to my understanding that creative has no budget. When you get into budget is in the implementation and you can use the same story and the same creative idea but you change your time, you change your perspective, you, you know, you, you're inside the space capsule instead of standing on the moon. I just want to pause for a moment and thank Philip from the Haunted Attraction Network. If you guys listen to this podcast, you'll love everything that Philip is doing over at the Haunted Attraction Network. That's hauntedattractionnetwork.com. There's weekly podcasts. Philip also does the seasonal entertainment source magazine that is free to subscribe to. Yes, it is a real magazine to your mailbox. Him and Scott Swinson also do green tagged. If you're subscribed to the Haunted Attraction Network feed, then you will get it in your podcast player. So go on, check out everything the Haunted Attraction Network has to offer. And make sure to sign up for their email newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com slash newsletter. This podcast episode sponsored by Scarret Badges. Get your Scarret Badges at ScareBadges.com. Also sponsored by Haunter's Toolbox. Take your haunt to the next level at Haunter'sToolbox.com. Thank you for listening to Haunt Topic Radio. Please leave a comment wherever you found this podcast. Each comment you leave will help spread the word to other haunters around the world. See you next time. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.